This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Improve your health and well-being the natural way with The Medicine Man, next on Plains FM. Good morning, this is Mike McCammon here, the Medicine Man Show. We're back on the on air again and I'd love to talk to you about some myths and facts that uh, we're beginning to dawn on us these days, which is about what is, in fact, the correct diet for human beings. So for those of you sitting at home, for those of you driving to work, for those of you who are just um, doing daily activities, if you hear this radio show, then you're going to hear some information that is absolutely vital. Uh, so it's worth having a listen to these little principles because we weren't shown them or told them at school. Even our parents really um, may well not have known these basic facts about nutrition. Uh, I think I was lucky in, in being brought up in my family because my mother had this wonderful cookbook and I, I wish I knew where it was, but I can remember so clearly the principles in that particular cookbook were quite different than the principles that we were um, that were given in the, in the media about what we're supposed to be eating. And it turns out that the food pyramid, we've all been brainwashed to believe with, you know, the bottom of that pyramid, the, the base of that pyramid was all this carbohydrates and so forth. We're supposed to cut down on our fat and all this sorts of stuff really has been generated by a rather single-minded food industry, dare I say, that has multi-billions of dollars behind it and uh, shapes the advertising so it's not the real truth. The real truth as I know it is the only way you can find that out is by having a, um, a look back in time. So the further you go back, you find that the less processed foods there were. And if you look at different so-called primitive societies, as this wonderful man, Dr. Weston Price, did, um, he found out the perfect diet for humankind. And it's um, quite surprising if you're brainwashed. Of course, it's not surprising if you've got a background like me in anthropology and archaeology and took a particular interest in so-called primitive society. So this cookbook that my mum had was quite remarkable in that it had pictures of fish and the right fats and all sorts of wonderful information about cod liver oil and how to cook food and how to ferment food and how to soak nuts and seeds and grains. And uh, of course, in those days, I didn't really understand it. But my mother seemed to have this wonderful ability to uh, make really nourishing meals for all us kids. And um, of course, as as we got a little bit older, some of the principles of um, of good, healthy nutrition was starting to be squeezed out by Dr. So-and-so and, you know, this person here and that person there who claimed that we're eating too much fat and we should change the polyunsaturated fat and then came in the margarine craze and how dangerous butter was and how, how wonderful margarine was. And uh, one, of the one, one of the interesting experiments that's been done by a friend of mine is he put some butter out one day in the backyard and the birds absolutely went crazy on it and the butter was gone in no time. And then he put some margarine out and supposedly a better replacement than butter and nothing would touch it. It just stayed there exactly the same, melted a bit and then with a little bit of research he discovered that it was either one or possibly two chemical steps from plastic and that margarine was actually never actually intended for human consumption in the first place. It just turned out to be something that people thought was actually better than the best and of course the best is butter. It's loaded with vitamin A, it's got vitamin D in it, it's got the right fats and uh, we've got to remember that 50% of our brain is actually fat and if we don't have the right fat we can't even think properly. 
So gradually what snuck into to our household was we heard how wonderful wheat picks were. So um, eventually there wasn't the, the, the um, scrambled eggs and the bacon and eggs we used to have for breakfast. Uh, it, it gradually changed, you know, the porridge suddenly changed and then turned up the wheat picks. And of course we all love wheat picks because when we opened the packet, I can remember you had this little toy that came with a packet and the one I really loved was a little horsey that you put the little horsey together and it walks all by itself if you put it on the board and it walks downhill. And uh, we're always thrilled to see who got, you know, what the new toy in the Wheatbacks packet was and we loved those Wheatbacks and then it was the pasteurised milk, no longer any of the farm milk, all those goodies. You know, we had pasteurised milk where over 40 enzymes are completely destroyed in the pasteurising process, leaving basically a putrid mass with only two enzymes left and that was supposed to be better for us pasteurised milk was claimed to be so wonderful and margarine was wonderful and wheat bakes well by golly remember that ad on TV that was um, these are two little kids pretending one of them is um, Tensing and one of them is Hillary and, uh, and, and Tensing saying by god Hillary do you think we can do it and Hillary's saying well I know I can eat eight and I'm talking about wheat bakes <laughs> Of course, Tenzing wasn't talking about wheat bix, but Hillary was, you know. So the the message was, the wheat bix is so damn good for you, you can climb up Mount Everest. So I don't really want to criticise anybody's product. I, I hope that people aren't getting the wrong impression here. I'm saying that you know every now and again, I, I actually could enjoy um, a breakfast or a meal of wheat bix because they're yummy. But when it comes to what you do every day, that's what's important. It's not actually what you do some of the time that counts. Sorry, it's 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 what you do most of the time that really counts. So uh, there's been a few studies of wheat bix and found that there's more nutrients in the packet. So here we are back with The Medicine Show. Mike McCammon here talking about the characteristics of traditional diets. And when I mean traditional diets, I mean studying diets of people all around the world, like Dr. Weston Price. That's W-E-S-T-O-N. Anybody on my newsletter, um, if they want to be on the newsletter, just give us a ring or send us an email on nzherbal.com uh, or www.nzherbal.com or 332-1786 and ask to be on our newsletter because uh, what we're going to be doing in the future is we're going to be printing out some of these talks so that you can refer to them. You can also go into any of the tapes that you like. We've got podcasts there all saved on the website. Our new website's on its way, but you can certainly just ring us up or just, as I say, have a look at our website. But if you want to be uh, to hear this talk again or to see the notes, you would need to ring up 332-1786 and talk to Celia so she can put you on the newsletter list. And it's wonderful to see um, the fans um, arriving here, that, that more and more people are listening to these talks. And uh, that's that's wonderful to hear because we need this information out there. So Dr. Weston Price in the 1930s was a brilliant uh, dentist and he obviously made enough money to travel the world. And he was particularly interested in nutrition because he wondered why there were some of his patients that did not get tooth decay, they didn't have periodontal disease, and they were quite healthy. He noticed the people that had the best teeth also had a certain width across the jaw. They had larger jaws, their teeth weren't crowded. He noticed that they were more robust. He also noticed that they just didn't happen to have diabetes, heart disease, <laughs> cancer. Um, whereas the people that tended to have lots of tooth decay had a number of health problems. There was a strong correlation between tooth decay and general health, which is very interesting. 
So he began to think what would be the perfect diet. Even though he asked his patients, that wasn't really what the patients came in for. They came in for having their teeth examined or whatever was going on. Um, so he decided to travel the world and he visited different communities, like even the Maori people of New Zealand, uh, up in the up in the hills there. Uh, he he actually visited the Inuit people. Some people called them the Eskimos. He, he he visited people deep in Switzerland, in Africa. And he recorded everything they ate and he gave everybody a dental examination and they were so keen to do this, they lined up. And he found out some astonishing things that that people that were on traditional diets, what we call the Paleolithic diet, but let's just call it the traditional diet because, of course, what an Eskimo eats is going to be very different than what a Polynesian eats because if you're in a hot country, you need cooling foods like coconut. If you're in a cold country and you need heating foods like liver and so forth of of, um, seals, seal blubber, you're going to need a lot more fat. So there's variation, but the principles he discovered through this huge study that he did was he gave a list, basically, of the principles and uh, the characteristics of, of traditional diets. And, and let's hear what some of these principles, shall we? The first one, that healthy, primitive and non-industrialised people contained no refined or denatured foods such as sugar, corn syrup, white flour, canned foods, pasteurised, homogenised, skim or low-fat milk, refined or hydrogenated vegetable oils, protein powders, artificial vitamins or toxic additives and colourings. And guess what our food supply is actually chocker with now. It's very hard to actually look in something. And, and even vitamin supplements, make sure you read those labels very carefully because many of these tablets have got fillers and binders and so forth. And uh, even, um, and I, I don't know if this is true, but even our honey... Where the the um, the manufacturers or the the packages of the honey, the people that pack the honey, they buy it in bulk, are allowed to put forty percent sugar in it before they even allow to have to put it on the label. So um, I only buy my honey straight from the beekeeper now. Unfortunately, I've got a brother who's a beekeeper, and I've got some friends that are beekeepers. But um, now that's to be verified. But that's what I heard from good authority. So. The, tradi- the characteristics of traditional diets don't have the kind of things that we're assaulted with. Now, it's very difficult now to find people on traditional diets, but this is the wonderful and magical thing that's happening now. I'm noticing that all these things are starting to appear in our supermarkets, the coconut. You know, and of course, where New Zealanders are starting to make their own olive oil, you just can't be- get better, and we've still got good, healthy butter. And uh, I don't know if the margarine sales are going down, but I highly suspect they are because many, many people are now waking up to the fact that margarine actually may not very well be good for you. So the first thing to know about traditional diets is they don't have the the, um, additives, food additives, basically the way nature intended them to be delivered. And I mean, nature ain't a dummy. You know, nature actually does know best the way it packages foods. And uh, we're supposed to have them as close to the natural form as possible. Now, we know that's a no-brainer, but I think there's a few people out there, a few dinosaurs out there that still think that, you know, the more refined it is, the whiter it is, the better it is. Uh, It might be cheaper, but it ain't better, that's for sure. So um, another thing about all traditional cultures is they always consume some sort of animal protein. And you say, okay, there are vegetarians in the world, but not really. Um, because you've looked closely at them, even people that eat rice, especially in the past, um, and vegetarians claim they're vegetarians. There's actually some animal products in the rice. There's um, little bits of insects and all sorts of things. Um, but that's another topic. That, But 
most traditional cultures consume some sort of animal protein and the fat from fish and other seaweed, water, landfowls, land animals, eggs, milk and milk products, even reptiles, even lizards and insects, you know, which are very, very high in protein. I'm not suggesting you eat insects, but I'm suggesting that we actually need that protein because from that protein um, it gets broken down and we, we, it makes our muscle mass and uh, without protein, you can pre- be pretty weak. And we actually need more protein, I believe, than what is currently um, suggested. So well, the other thing is that that so-called primitive diets contain at least four times the calcium and other minerals and ten times the fat-soluble vitamins from animal fats. That's true. That's vitamin A, vitamin T, uh, D, vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and um, ten times the amount of those substances as in a good Kiwi diet. Now, in all traditional cultures, there's some of these animal products are eaten raw. You know, we know the raw fish that the Japanese eat, you know, and the sushi. And um, raw animal products, some raw animal products tend to be in the diet as well. And of course, those raw animal products have also good qualities um, where they bring in some fat soluble vitamins and all sorts of nutrients. So, so yeah, primitive traditional diets um, contain, I'll say to you again, four times the calcium and other minerals and 10 times more fat soluble vitamins from animal fats such as vitamin A, D, and E. That's pretty profound. <laughs> So when we go into the supermarket, we're beginning to see all these goodies starting to appear. And but one thing we, we all know about now is probiotics uh, and prebiotics, or most people know about the probiotics, so you can get bio-yogurt and all the rest of it. And that's just so wonderful to see it happening. And, of course, naturopaths have been saying this for forever, you know, um, but it, it takes at least 30 years for, for information that's real high quality to come to the surface. Even after the, they discovered vitamin C cures cancer, sorry, cures scurvy, Say that again, even though when they discovered that it was vitamin C that prevented scurvy and cured scurvy, it was still another 30 years after Joseph Lynn discovered it before it appeared in the, in the British Navy. 30 years of suffering. And what they did was they introduced limes, which are rich in vitamin C and would prevent and cure scurvy. Isn't that wonderful? A kind of something like a lemon can cure um, Scurvy, so that's why the British sailors were called limeys because they uh, had all the limes, you see. But it's quite remarkable that it's, um, you know, it, it was actually quite difficult for Captain Cook to introduce. Um, this is even before they discovered the vitamin secured it, but they knew that that fermented cabbage, right, or sauerkraut could actually prevent scurvy. But um, the crew in Captain Cook's ship on his first voyage almost rioted because. They thought it was crap food that, you know, was for the, for, the, for the crew but not for the captains, you know. And they thought, this, what's this rotting cabbage? Who are they trying to, who are they trying to fool? So uh, Captain Cook and, his, um, and all his, his um, uh, officers uh, set up a table on the deck um, and, and, and served themselves or got the crew to serve them sauerkraut and they ate it with relish. <laughs> um, pun not intended, but they ate the sauerkraut and uh, the crew got the idea that this food was worth well, if the captain eats it, it's all right for us, you know, it's not slop. So, uh, and interesting enough that Captain Cook had, um, I don't think he had any instances of scurvy. I don't think he lost one man from scurvy. I may be wrong there, but in, indeed it was um, 
he had a fantastic success rate and his crew were far healthier than any others at that, that time. So one thing we really do need to know is the reason we see all these probiotics is because just about everybody listening here, yes, you, yep, the one who's sitting on the chair there now, yep, you, George, too, yep, Millie, yep, 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 Sandra, yep, you too, you've got low enzymes in your gut, yes, and you don't have the correct bowel flora. I can say that across the board because I've yet to meet one single patient in the 30,000 patients I've seen that had really good gut flora. And that's because we do not eat the fermented vegetables anymore. So primitive and traditional diets have a high food enzyme content from raw dairy products, raw meat, fish, raw honey, tropical fruits, cold-pressed vegetable oils, wine, unpasteurized beer, and naturally preserved lacto-fermented vegetables. Lacto-fermented vegetables create the gut flora that we need Okay, so the gut flora is really important because this particular gut flora, they're little beings, you know, more than the population of the world is in your tummy and particularly in your lower bowel. And what they do is they help break down foods and the fermentation process actually creates um, vitamins and minerals. And as long as you've got all the minerals and saturation um, and the fermented foods that are providing all the prebiotics, what happens is you have this wonderful sweet digestion and uh, Many diseases come originally from the digestive system. So the importance of fermented vegetables. Now, I must say we haven't been brought up with them and many of us simply don't like them. Although, give it a chance, pop off to Pico's, you know, and get yourself some, a jar of fermented vegetables and just start doing it. And after a time, initially your digestive may even feel worse. You might get lots of flatulence, as they say. You might sort of get a few burping and belching as, as the, the fermentation process takes off and your gut flora will change from one of acid-forming gut um, products, right? You've got the wrong, the acid forming products can actually upset your tummy and cause all sorts of illnesses and gradually form to one of an alkaline body tissue and you will have a smile on your face. And why would you have a smile on your face? Because your gut's got a second brain. There's as much nerve endings and um, telomeres and all the rest of it um, in your gut as in your brain. And uh, naturopaths have been saying this for centuries that the gut has a brain. And of course, now medical science has discovered that the gut has a brain, goodness me, you know, and the gut communicates with the brain all the time. And there are certain foods, like these refined foods we're talking about, with all the chemicals and preservatives and all the refined wheat and the white sugar and the white flour, it, it actually causes a, an incorrect gut flora that causes a acid waste that permeates through the, the six metres of intestine. And this acidity then can creep into tissues and will creep into genetically weak areas. And if the genetically weak areas happen to be the muscles, you'll get rheumatics, you'll be aches and pains. If it's in the joints, you'll get arthritic complaints. If you happen to have diabetes in the family where the pancreas is weak, you'll tend to develop diabetes. If it happens in the liver, you can get hepatitis. If it happens in, you know, in the brain, you can have dementia. Isn't that interesting? It's where the toxins settle in genetically weak areas according to the foods you eat. Oh, my friend here has just reminded me to let you know that there's a wonderful um, uh, another health food shop right in the centre of town or, or close to the centre of town called Liberty Market on the corner of um, Morehouse and um, Fitzgerald Ave. And that's a wonderful warehouse of all the goody things that I'm talking to you about. Now, remember, no one pays me to advertise anybody else, OK? Nobody pays me to do what I do. Uh, so I'm just saying that this is a wonderful enterprise here in Christchurch. You can get all these wonderful things that I'm talking about. 
you know, they're not you don't have to sort of order them online or anything like that. You know. and gradually they're appearing supermarkets, but Liberty Market, Picos, and we've got wonderful health food shops all around um, town that um, they all know about these things and, you know, start using them. So the other thing that we know about the, the characteristics of a traditional diet is that when it comes to seeds, grains and nuts, they're soaked, they're sprouted, they're fermented or they're naturally leavened in order to neutralise the naturally occurring anti-nutrients in, anti-nutrients in these foods such as phytic acid, enzyme inhibitors, tannins and complex carbohydrates. Now, now I'll, I'll get this, I'll say this again, there are in these nuts, seeds, and grains are anti-nutrients. Now, that seems a bit weird. If nature knows best, why would it have anti-nutrients in seeds, nuts, and grains? Well, there's a lot of sense to it because if you're growing wheat, if a wheat uh, sheath is growing up uh, and the seed is almost ready, it's ripe, and then it rains, and it rains and it rains, you don't want the seed, and it's warm, to actually sprout on the sheath, on the um, stalk, do you? You don't want that. So what happens is the um, there are anti-nutrients that actually stop the seed from sprouting until it falls in the ground, covered with soil or leaf material, organic material, that it sort of holds in a little bit of warmth, the sun, the sunlight and the rain, and it gets soaked, saturated with water that doesn't dry up for so many days, I think it's three or four days, depending on the, the nut, the seed or the grain, there's a certain amount of days it needs to be wet. And this wetness, um, these anti-nutrients like phytic acids, which are enzyme inhibitors, they then gradually leach away because they're water-soluble. And when they've leached away and there's just the right moisture and just the right heat left, they will then sprout and create new life again. So it stands to reason that it's quite sensible for nature to have enzyme inhibitors and anti-nutrients in the grains, the seeds and the nuts. So if you eat these raw right, or salted or whatever, what you're going to find is you may think you're digesting them, but you're not. You're actually not getting the goodies out of them. So you could have, say, an almond, which is alkaline forming generally. Uh, it's got lovely protein and all sorts of wonderful things. If you look at um, a breakdown of all the nutrients in, in the almond, it's quite remarkable. And there's a bitter almond is supposed to have vitamin B17, which is anti-cancer. Well... Most of these nutrients are going to be completely unavailable to you. So even though it says it's got it on the packet, um, it won't actually be the same as what what it delivers to you when you eat it because of these anti-nutrients, right, these enzyme inhibitors. So what do we do? Well, we just take a page out of nature and we soak the nuts and the seeds for four hours or so. It depends on the nut. Some need less, like cashew nuts only need four hours of soaking. Almonds might need the whole night. Brazil nuts might need six or seven hours. And what you do is you soak them with a little bit of salt. So you have, say, half a kilo of Brazil nuts and you put, I would actually put a whole teaspoon of Himalayan or Pacific Ocean salt and stir it up and let them soak for approximately four hours. And we would add the salt because the salt um, has, the salt is sodium and chloride and 42 other minerals. But the, the sodium actually is a alkalizing mineral and the chloride is necessary for your stomach to make hydrochloric acid, which actually creates the right medium for this wonderful protein-digesting enzyme called pepsin to work on the protein. So if you soak it in salt, right, and then dry it and pop it in the oven around just under 100 degrees C, I think there's different temperatures for different nuts and seeds, which you can look up, um, and you can then just slowly dry them and slowly lightly bake them and um, then uh, pop them in a jar and they will be 
wonderful to taste, even better because they're going to be easy to digest and you're finally going to get the nutrients out of them. So the thing about what happens is when you look at the nutrients of something and then you think that just because that nutrient's in the particular thing that you're eating, that you're actually going to get that nutrient is a mistake. And uh, and, and on that note, just to mention that there's wonderful stuff called spirulina, but that's supposed to have B12 for all you vegetarians. Don't fool yourself. It is not true B12. It's what we call an analogue of B12. So just as it says that it's got all this goodies in it, you're actually getting very little that you think you're getting from even some of the health food. So you just need to look a little bit deeper and get the right principles here. So seeds, nuts and grains, soak them. If you can't be bothered doing all the whole thing, then just soak them overnight, pour the water out, dry them in the sun or in the oven, or if you've got a harvest-made food dryer, you can dry them that way and pop them in a jar. You can add salt later if you like the salt. But remember that even if you're eating them raw without doing this process, and even if you do it with this process, you do need to drink lots of water when you eat nuts and seeds. But particularly um, if you're buying a pack of salted peanuts or cashews or pistachios, make sure you've got that pump bottle and after you've drunk them, after you've eaten the nuts and seeds, make sure you drop at least 750 mils of water down your gullet because you will not digest them properly. You could even get digestive complaints many hours or even a day or two or three after eating them. So when you eat nuts and seeds, you need more water and you need the salt. Sensible to have salted nuts and seeds, but it's much more sensible to soak them first. So we're going to almost finish now. There's more to come, but we're going to finish on one point. There's um, this thing about fat. Well, did you know that over 51%, some say a little bit more, of our brain is fat? We need fat. We need cholesterol. We need low-density cholesterol. We need high-density cholesterol. And um, even every single nerve in your body is covered in a layer of fat, right, called the myelin sheath. Even if you put your tongue inside your mouth, there's a layer of fat in there, and it's the right fat. And Well, we've been really led astray in the right fats, and this polyunsaturated um, stuff is, um, in my opinion, pretty toxic, that some of the fats that we're told is better for us. So the total fat content of traditional diets, this is going to really surprise you, varies from 30% to the minimum to 80%, right? But only about 4% of the calories come from polyunsaturated oils that are naturally occurring in grains, pulses, nuts, fish, animal fats, and vegetables. The balance of fat calories in the form of a saturated and monosaturated fatty acids. We don't have time to go into that, but what I'm saying is the best fat is lard, coconut oil, sesame oil. Um, there are There are some good fats, but there's certainly some fats that are not good fats. But if you don't have the right fats, you're not going to think properly. You're certainly going to have some problems um, absorbing the fat-soluble vitamins. So this whole thing about fat, cholesterol, and so forth, do you realise that over 50% of people that die of heart attacks have actually got low cholesterol? I'm going to finish on that note, and we can carry on a little bit next week before we move on to another topic. But, um, you know, just don't believe everything that uh, people say, even me. You know, check it out. Check out what I say. Um, you know, I, th- I think that um, if something sounds simple, it goes straight to the heart and you get it. If it sounds complicated and it takes you a bit to struggle to get it, just be a bit suspicious, you know, um, because the whole thing of nutrition is actually quite natural. It's, it's complex, but you can understand it. Uh, don't listen to any experts. We all know that they're dripped under pressure. Um, but look, it was great that you, you managed to, some of you actually managed to sit through this. Maybe it's given you a little bit of thought, time to think. Maybe it's actually confirmed what you really knew anyway. Or maybe there's some new information here for you. So thanks for listening to The Medicine Man. It's uh, great to have you aboard. 
and uh, if you want to know more just go to my website www.nzherbal.com or give us a ring on 332 1786 particularly if you want to be put on our newsletter bye everybody and catch up next week